Well, good morning again to you. Psalm 120 is where we should be at this morning. We have entered into a section of the Psalms that are distinct. They are set off by a unique title. They are called the Psalms of Ascent. And there are 15 of them. It starts at Psalm 120, goes through Psalm 134. I believe that every part of the scripture is intentionally placed there. And so every place, every name, every detail, every number, everything that's mentioned in there has, a, has an intention by the Lord. So when I see psalms that are uniquely labeled this way, they all go together in my mind for some reason. So as we look at Psalm 120, your translation of your Bible might have a, a helpful little uh, summary caption title over the front of it set off in some text. Mine does. It says, a plea from relief plea for relief from bitter foes. That's not part of God's word, that title, right? You understand that. That's just some sort of little helpful synopsis put in there by the translators so that you'll know what the psalm is about. Um, However, when it says a song of ascents, that is part of God's word, part of the original text. Um, Again, let's just read verses 1 through 7. You follow along. It says, In my distress I cried to the Lord, and he heard me. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, or what shall be done to you, you false tongue? Sharp arrows of the warrior with coals of the broom tree. That sounds painful. Woe is me that I I dwell in Meshech, uh, that I may dwell among the tents of Kedar. My soul has dwelt too long with one who hates peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Well, actually, I'm going to get through Psalm 121 and 122 today because, again, I believe these texts are set together uniquely by that, um, that simple title, A Song of Ascent. And we don't know what they mean by the Psalms of Ascent, A Song of Ascent. It could be that these were psalms that were sung traditionally by pilgrims um, who were coming up to the uh, city of Jerusalem for one of the three annual feasts that they had to attend, right? Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. People came from long distances. It could be that they were singing these as they came up to the city of Jerusalem. It could be. But uh, the word ascent uh, literally just means something that goes up, and and it's also applied to stairways, and so it could be that they were, these were sung as they literally walked up the steps of the temple uh, before they got into the first courtyard. Um, they, as they stepped on those steps, they would sing these. It could be. We don't know. It could be that um, because some of these, uh, like the one we just read, says I, he lives somewhere very far away, and those, those terms have to do with somewhere north. It could be that these are psalms that were written by... Uh, although some of them are David, we know they belong to David, some of them could belong and have their origins from those who are coming back from the captivity of Babylon. Could be, anyways. Uh, we, we don't really know, but they are set together this way. I would like for us to think of them this way, and um, it's kind of a devotional way to think about them. Look, we all, we all want and have a direction for our life. You know, the, the scriptures talk about having a direction of your life. You're going in some direction. That, that direction means something. And literally, you're either headed towards heaven or you're headed towards hell. And there's a directional value to the overall scope of our life. The Bible uses terms like your walk. It means the, your manner of life. Well, a psalm of a sense, 
I think, are set off by themselves so that we could look at the truths that go into a life that is going upwards towards heaven. If we look at them that way, I think they become very useful to us. Yes, they might have been, uh, and they certainly were meaningful to those who were maybe coming towards Jerusalem, either from Babylon or from some distant quarter for feasts, and they would they'd certainly have meaning for them. And we'll look at those meanings. But they also mean something to your average Gentile who lives somewhere in North America or anywhere, and as they are traveling this life, use that kind of, those kinds of idioms, we want our lives to be going upwards towards the Lord. And when we do that, we become a bit of an oddball in the world. Uh, we begin to leave this world. And uh, we leave it in, um, we leave some things, we, we stop thinking some ways, we start thinking some other ways. A psalm of ascent, we're going to start to look at how our lives will begin to rise. You know, um, this shouldn't be really strange to anybody who's spent some time in the scriptures. Um, Philippians chapter 3, Paul himself talked about his life having a direction upward towards heaven. He says, I haven't already obtained, talking about um, a fullness of spiritual maturity. He says, or I'm not already perfected, but I press on. Philippians chapter 3, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So there's, a, there's looking ahead, and what, what, what am I looking ahead towards? Did he say, he says, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, Paul also commending uh, people coming up Uh, in serving the Lord through Timothy, writing to Timothy, he said to him, uh, in talking about all the the necessary things to go into being a faithful servant of the Lord, he says, meditate on things, give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. There should be a a value to the direction of our life that... um, plainly states that we're, we're going somewhere. We're going upwards towards heaven. So we're going to start with the very basics. Psalm 120 is very basic in that way. Um, look at the, what this guy has to say. He says that, um, well, he says, in my distress I cried to the Lord and he heard me. Uh, this guy's uh, life starts uh, and he starts to talk about, he starts about distress. Well, what's the distress made of? Well, First of all, he got people around him who are liars. Um, he talks about, I need to be delivered from lying lips. He's, he's surrounded by people who lie and who have deceitful tongue. There's all kinds of deceit around him. That can make things very, very distressful. Um, but go down, verse 5, he talks about where he is. Woe is me, I dwell in Meshach. I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Meshach, um, ancient name for uh, uh, some descendants of Noah, um, they went to the north, um, the Tubal and Magog are kind of the names associated with this person also. Um, uh, you know, we don't know exactly where this is, but it was to the north. He says, I dwell among the tents of Kedar. This was another descendant of Ishmael. Um, what does that mean? Well, Think of it this way, I'm in the wrong place. He is in the wrong place. He does not want to be here. 
And, uh, you know, the first step in any life, um, beginning to change course and head upwards towards Lord, you know, um, it, comes to, it comes to a point you just got to acknowledge, I, I don't know where I'm going. And where I am now, I, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in this situation anymore. I'm in the wrong place. But also, he says, my soul has dwelt too long with those, who, with one who hates peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, there for war. Um, you know, this is, again, an acknowledgement. I'm around the wrong people. Uh, for, for, where, um, for where I want, want my life to look like, uh, you know, I'm just not getting there. Uh, I, that's, you know, that's how I got saved. I know that's the testimony of many, many people here. I think it's pretty common for people to come to know the Lord in a time of distress, stress there. There's pressure in my life and there's things pushing me around that I don't like. And um, in order to, to make a fundamental change in your life, sometimes you, you just got to stop and, and take stock of it and say, where am I? Where am I going? You know, what's the landscape of my life? I don't like it. It's got to change. Okay. You know what? The Lord may have allowed that. Um, this, the thing is here, he says, in my distress. Yeah. The Lord, um, you know, the Lord will allow lives to become stressed to the point even of breaking sometimes so that um, we will come to our senses and look at our lives and change the course of them. Um, Again, take these first steps of a life going upwards towards heaven. The first step is to recognize I'm in the wrong place. I'm headed in the wrong direction the people I'm surrounded with are headed in the wrong direction. I'm, I'm surrounded by nothing but conflict. He says, where I am for peace, but when I speak, they're for war. You know, it's nothing but deceits and lies. I need this to change. Okay, great. If, if that's your first step, here it is. It says, I cried to the Lord. Uh, here's, here's the first step of ascent, and that is to cry to the Lord. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the Lord has enough uh, wisdom to let this happen in your life so that you will cry to him. Um, you know, maybe that's, this is kind of odd. We, we usually have an evangelistic call towards the end of the, of the message, but we're doing this at the beginning because, again, this is a uh, way in which a life can change and head towards heaven um, you know, the Lord wants to change your life. He wants you to come to your senses and call upon him. The Lord has the resources to change your life. He does, and he wants to change your life. He wants to change your life in these fundamental ways. Look, the problem with your life is sin. And you may not have given that much credibility, that thought in your life. But maybe it's time to think about it again. Um, uh, the sin that the Lord has, has the power to break in your life, um, he has already provided for, and he wants to give it to you. Uh, when you cry to the Lord to change your life, he's going to deliver you to a specific location. And that location is for you to believe what he has already said and done with Jesus on the cross. And uh, that is uh, plain in Scripture that 
Everything you need to change your life, Jesus has done and accomplished on the cross. And you, you don't, he's not calling you to understand it all perfectly, but he is calling you to believe it. Maybe that's all you can do this morning is just to say, I've dismissed this too many times. I don't know where the answer for my life lies, but this guy's telling me, and I've heard it before, the answer for the change in my life lies in God's love. And it's somewhere in that cross of Jesus dying for me. Okay, Jesus did die on the cross for you to pay for your sin. He rose from the dead to prove that that has been paid for. Psalm 120 meets us um, as a psalm of ascent. And it pictures somebody, um, yes, it is somebody living out there in that time as, as a Jewish person in the midst of a spot they'd rather not be. For us, as we take this first step along this ascending, uh, this ascent towards heaven, the first step, admit that you need help from God and, and believe what he's already done. He's already provided everything you need in Jesus on the cross. Okay, Psalm 120. Let's go and just continue our, our walk upward, our ascent. Psalm 121, a psalm of ascents. You know, this, this fits very, very well with Psalm 120 because the first thing you do is you look to the Lord. He says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. It's a new way of thinking. Okay, to get out of this world and begin to rise up towards uh, um, heaven, a life that's aimed that direction, we need to have a new perspective. We need to think about life very, very differently. You ever play those uh, games as a kid? When I was a kid, uh, we had something called Mad Libs. Uh, it was just a funny little story that somebody wrote and they took out some of the verbs and some of the nouns left blank lines and you could fill them in. As somebody asked you, they would ask you for a noun or a verb and you'd give something crazy, weird, and then they'd read some story and have your crazy verbs and nouns in there and it would just be riot. It would be really, really funny. Okay, this morning's Mad Lib is, uh, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from, and you're going to fill it in. Everybody does fill that in. It's inescapable that you have an answer for that. Every person looks to something larger they consider significant enough to get them through life. And that's where you already have an answer for that. The trick is to recognize that that's not God then that needs to be, you need to get your racer out, life's a racer, and say, no, I'm going to place my trust in the Lord. This is, what, this is just a new perspective. I'm lifting up my eyes to the hills. What's that mean? I'm getting a bigger picture. Uh, life just isn't about me and what I want anymore. It's about, well, there's something very much larger going on here. And if we come right out of Psalm 120, my plans stunk (laughs) and as much as I wanted to be here for all the twists and terms life brought me I got deposited somewhere I did not want to be and around around things that were destroying me and so I'm going to pick up my perspective and realize I need help 
And so I'm going to fill this in. My help comes from the Lord, who made, not just the Lord, you can fill that in with just the Lord, but I like the way he modifies that. The Lord who made heaven and earth. Um, Already we have taken a step towards being a weirdo in this world, if we're going to say that. Because the prevailing Western thought is God didn't make heaven and earth, did he? I mean, that's the general consensus is that this all just happened by an accident and there's no meaning to it. Uh, You know, the fundamental shift about 150 years ago towards a materialistic understanding of evolution, it leaves people very, very empty and bankrupt. Um, We're going to kick that out and we're going to be done with that. Um, My help comes from the Lord. He made heaven and earth. Um, Two big truths, again, as life begins to rise and begin to go upward towards God. um, Two big, big, big truths you need to grasp. There is a God. You're not him. Yeah. Um, um, He's the one who made heaven and earth. And he's got enough power to create and sustain all of this that you see Then he's got enough power to, to handle your life and solve your problems. Okay, that's a great perspective. Psalm 121, we're taking some steps for our life to rise upward. He's made heaven and earth. Okay, now comes these answers. What a wonderful response um, that Psalm 121 brings us. It's like... You turn your eyes towards heaven and you see these promises roll back to you. I just, you know, turned in faith towards God and suddenly this this heaven is just open with blessings and promises. Okay, here they come. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither, neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. If you picked it up on it, there is some repetition there, some words. Um, The word that starts in verse 3 there. Um, he who keeps you, the word keeps is actually a Hebrew word that's repeated six times in these verses, these five verses. It's there in verse 3. Again in verse 4, he keeps Israel. Um, and then the Lord is your keeper again in verse 5. Uh, verse 7, the Lord shall preserve you. It's the same word. Uh, and then he shall preserve again. It's the same word, keep The Lord shall, and then again, verse 8, keep or preserve um, you, you're going out, and then he gives you a a duration of it. Um, The word literally just means to exercise great care over. Yeah, then that's what God now is doing for us and for you. For us we turn our lives towards God in some simplistic way. We, we don't have full understanding, so we take those first steps, but we recognize now God has love for me, and that love is in Jesus on the cross. And take those first steps of faith, and we're met with these wonderful promises. Let me read it again with, with this 
a literal expression of that word keep. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who exercises great care over you will not sleep. Behold, he who exercises great care over Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is, and then this is a noun, so we've got to change it just a little bit. The Lord is the one who exercises great care over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall ex- shall exercise great care over you from all evil. He shall exercise great care over your soul. The Lord shall exercise great care over your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Okay, there's a lot of, a lot of fundamental truths laid in there that anybody who is serious about their life rising and going in an upward, positive direction towards the Lord, we have to pick it up. Okay, let's look at the first one. He will not allow your foot to be moved. Um, What does that mean? Well, um, I, I think it can easily be rendered just, he's taking personal responsibility for you, for your life. You don't gotta worry about unexpected things that would overturn you look you know we're still in this world and this world is still a messed up place and there's twists and turns that are still going to happen it's going to happen to you it's going to happen to me they're still going to happen but in the midst of that the promise is he won't allow you to be overthrown he won't allow you to to get out of control Things won't be out of control. He's got you in hand. He who keeps you or exercises great control over you will not slumber. That's good news. In other words, he's not like you. He doesn't have the same limitations as you do. That's a fundamental truth that we have to understand. We, he, the Lord wants us to understand and rest in. He's not limited like we are. He's got the ability to watch us and take care of us all the time. And, and here's the thing. He says he doesn't sleep, and lest you think that your life is some sort of a stretch for him. I remember when I got saved, I, you know, I had so many problems in my life. I just, I didn't know what I didn't know, and I, I didn't even know where to begin with answers. But I thought, okay, if with the Lord can do the things that I see him doing, they say he does, then he can handle my life. And here, here's the example he gives you for everybody to assure you that he can handle your life. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. You know what kind of, what kind of work that involves to keep track of Israel? Over their thousands of years of history, he has managed them and taken care of them perfectly. And they haven't had a very positive resume, right? Um, I mean, they made some really big mistakes. And But if he's not willing to turn his back on them in the midst of all their mistakes, he's willing, and if he can handle all of their problems, look, look at the landscape of what, what they've got now. I mean, they're surrounded by enemies in the world. And, well, that's just one of the realities we'll look at later. But he, he's, it's not a challenge for him. If he can do that, he can handle your life without batting an eye. 
It's, it's simple for him. You may not understand it. He does. So our life is going upward. Here's the next truth we've got to grasp. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. Uh, what does that mean? When, when they're talking about the sun and the moon, um, you know, uh, in an agricultural society in that part of the world, it gets very hot at day, during the day. It can get very, very cold at night. Um, he's not saying that you somehow will be magically preserved from hardship. It's still got hot over there. People who are believers still got hot. It still got cold at night. They still got cold. I think what he's saying here is that you won't be left to your own resources to try to figure your way through this. Um, he's your shade at your right hand. He's right there. He wants to help you. And that's a new thing. Before we knew the Lord, and when our life was going in the wrong directions, the Bible says we dwelt in darkness. And um, as we begin this ascent towards walking with the Lord, walking with the Lord out of this world into light, uh, upward towards heaven, one of the truths that he hands to us is that the Lord's never going to leave you. Never, never, never going to leave you. He's right there. The promise that Jesus makes is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The promise is that you're, you're sealed by his Holy Spirit. The Lord is at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. Um, you know, they had an agricultural calendar based on cycles of the moon, right? That's their, their calendars based on, on moon phases. And... Um, with their son here, I think they're talking about, you know, longer-term seasonal changes. If we render that to us, you know, uh, through all the seasons of life, the Lord, he'll handle it for you. He's with you through the, all of those. You don't need to go through those by yourself. He wants to go with you through those and be there with you through those. He will help you. Again, our life is going upwards. We're grasping some basic truths here. We turned our eyes towards heaven and outrolled these promises. The Lord's not going to leave us alone. He's going to personally manage our lives if we let him. Here's, here's the, never, the other ones that he's got to uh, lay out before us. Again, here's some very basic things. Verse 7 and 8, the Lord shall preserve you or exercise great care over you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. And there's some really fundamental truths laid into that verse. Um, here's one. The, those, there's two sentences there. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil, and the second one is he shall preserve your soul. They're saying the same thing, right? They're, they're trying to say the same thing over. Notice the synonyms that are there. One of them is you. There's a noun there, a personal pronoun for you. And then there's soul. And he's going to preserve those. He's going to preserve you. He's going to preserve your soul. Yeah, here's a truth that we have to grasp. As our life goes upwards towards heaven, you are a soul. You are your soul. 
he, notice it does not say he's going to preserve your body and your, your ravenous good looks. He, he's not. Look, he's, what he's going to preserve is your soul. Scriptures talk about you in terms of an immaterial thing. And the body, the body is just a container, the scripture says. It's a container for you, for your soul. Um, I like to explain it to kids like this. Uh, I usually have a can of some soft drink, Mountain Dew or something, and I show them it and I say, okay, what's this? And they say, it's a can of Mountain Dew, and they all want it. Um, And uh, so then I open it up and I start to drink it, or I pour it in another glass, and then I show them the empty can, and I say, I still got the can here. It looks exactly the same, right? Is this a can of Mountain Dew or soda? And they say, no. I say, but it's exactly the same. See, the, the illustration is right there, loaded into that. And every illustration fails at some point. But the essence of you, like the essence of that can of soda, is what's on the inside, not the outside. The can could be rusty and dented, and some of you are rusty and dented. But um, uh, the essence of what you are is on the inside. And the Lord watches over that. The outside is just a container. In fact, just a container. In fact, the, the Bible talks about your body in terms of just a tent. Okay? Again, we're, we're, we're grasping just some basics because life is now beginning to go upward. We need to think about our bodies and our lives in terms of the soul that it contains. The Lord hasn't made any promises about preserving your body. And uh, that's the reality. Is these, these bodies are sick with sin, and they're broken, and they don't work. And there may be a time when the Lord allows that body to break down in some very much more longer-term ways. But he's preserving your soul through that. Okay, that's a fundamental truth. You are a soul, not just a body. But here's the other one. It's in there. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. Okay, we turned and we looked towards the reality that, that God is real and, and he loves me and now has provided for me. And it's, he's made these wonderful promises to me about never leaving me, about not being overwhelmed in the ter- twists and terms of life. He's going to be there for me. It's like, it's like he puts his arm around and says, okay, we need to look at something else here. And he shows us that there is evil. There is real evil. Um, yeah, that's a fundamental truth. As we begin to orient our lives to go upwards, we've got to recognize that there is a real, organized, intentional, deliberate hatred for us. And there's a person behind that. And he's got resources. And we can study a great deal about the origin, the career, and the destiny of Satan and fallen angels. And it's necessary, I think, to understand those things. Scripture has a lot, has some things to say about those. Evil is alive and well in the world, and it's after you. And that's just a basic um, that we need to grasp. Um, you know, when I was a kid, uh, I, I'm not a very big guy now. When I was in junior high, I was even smaller. And... Um, I had something on my side. Uh, I was I got good grades, and then I was also um, friends with 
an ethnic group that kind of swung together as a unit. And um, they liked me because, well, sometimes my paper on my desk would be over towards the side, and they got some extra answers than they needed them occasionally. Uh, that paid off um, when I had my encounter with, you know, the kid in school whose berserk pituitary gland has made him seven feet tall, and he's not a friendly dude, and I was one-on-one with him through happenstance. I, I was outgunned completely, and I knew it was going to be one hit, right? Me hitting, him hitting me and me hitting the ground. And it, I was dead until um, I got back up. And the, uh, you know, that ethnic group came in and saw that I was overwhelmed and helped me out by escorting our friend off the scene, <laughs> and I was safe. Look, the, the analogy here is that you don't have the ability to overcome Satan. He's far smarter than you. He's far more resourceful than you. Uh, he's far more, um, he's, got, he's got resources you don't know anything about. And um, he's after you. You need to be depending upon someone who he's afraid of, because he ain't afraid of you. <laughs> and so you need to stay very, very close in this new life that's going upwards towards heaven. Stay very, very close to someone who knows everything that he's doing and understands it, can tell you about it and warn you about it. That's why he says he's going to preserve you, exercise great care over your soul from all evil. Very fundamental promise. Again, new landscape of life that's going upwards towards heaven. Uh, Verse 8, he shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. That's a great promise also. Uh, He shall, again, exercise great care over your going out and your coming in. Um, That just means the daily activities of life. You know, he's interested in every part of your life. You know why? Because he loves you. Um, he, he loves you enough to not want to take his eyes off you and to be with you in everything, even the little trivialities of life. Uh, he is interested in you and invested in blessing you everywhere. Uh, your going-ins and your coming-out or going-out, coming-in, however it's written. Um, And it's from this time forth, which means right now, right now, he is interested in you and blessing you and being with you in the midst of those things in a personal, intimate, living relationship. And even forevermore, it's not like it's for two weeks or a month or until you really irritate him. No, it's forevermore. Um, He has taken care of everything that might set you at odds with him. Everything that you might stumble in in the future. He's already taken care of it. Now there's things to learn in the midst of that and mistakes we're going to make, but he's not going to leave you forevermore. What a promise, forevermore. Um, He's going to be with you. He's going to be with us and he's going to deliver us safely to heaven. Okay, as our life goes upwards, psalm of ascents, we cry to the Lord and we begin to 
take some baby steps there, of faith, looking towards the Lord. Uh, then we met with promises and, be, and began to see basic spiritual realities. Let's go to Psalm 122. More of it. And this is really going to put us at odds with the world. And we're just going to see how odd we are, how politically incorrect we are by just reading verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Um, that is not not popular today. Um, and it's a spiritual reality that we have to look at. Um, Psalm 122. Again, if, if this is a song of ascent, it makes sense that this is a Jewish person um, arriving in Jerusalem and they are glad to be there. A song of ascent of David. Um, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Uh, our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Okay, um, as our life goes upwards in this ascent towards heaven, look, we get saved one by one. You, no matter how many friends you have, no matter where your family's at, in the Lord, some in the Lord, some not in the Lord, it doesn't matter. You get saved, we all get saved one by one. And in that, we're alone. But we don't stay alone. Because now you're brought into church. You're brought into a fellowship of believers. You start alone, but it's not intention of God that you would stay alone. He says, I was glad when they said to me, let's go into the house of the Lord. For a Jewish person at that time, it would be that they come out of the, out of the world where everybody is... You know, back in Psalm 120, bad news. I don't want to be around them. I want to be around people who are wanting to worship the Lord. There's a truth for a life that's going upward towards the Lord. Um, and, and this is the way it's going to work out. You get saved. And suddenly, the work group that you're in, the family that you're in, the social circles that you're in find you to be weird because you suddenly got religion. You know, as they say, oh, you're a Jesus freak now? Well, yeah, you are. Sorry. <laughs> um, look, the Lord, Lord is going to have to probably make some separations between where you have deposited your life in darkness and where you need to be. You need to be around other believers. And it's very, very common that the Lord, and through, through what you are now believing in this new life that's in you, it just engenders separations from all those people. That might have been your closest social, social circle, or you might have been right in the midst of, you know, uh, all that's going on in the work, and, and suddenly they recognize something's different about you. And, um, you know, it's because you've gotten born again, and you are different. And you don't fit there anymore if, there, if it's not about the Lord. And that's, that's okay. That's a healthy spiritual sign. But it's something you've got you to recognize and, and understand. It's a part of this new life, this new life that's going upward, this ascending life. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Um, you start alone, but the Lord brings you into the body of Christ Yes, you need to be in church. 
a life that's going upwards out of this world, you need to be in church. You need to be amongst believers who also love the Lord. And um, that's what you're going to find. Again, as the Lord makes separations between you and the areas of darkness that you deposited your own life in, he's depositing you now in the body of Christ with other believers. And you are all born again. And you are all one by the Spirit of God. And, and you're going to look around and you say, I have nothing in common with these people. Yes, you do. You're all believers in Jesus Christ. And that love, that new life that's in you is also in them. And you, what you're going to find is those relationships are going to begin to eclipse your old relationships. I'm not saying that you dismiss your family. I'm not saying that you turn away from relationships and things like that. What I'm saying is that those who are also saved, and you go to a church that's got saved people in it, right? Um, those people and those relationships, you're going to find you have a deeper connection with them that you ever had with anybody else. Now that gets complicated, right, if you've got a spouse that gets saved and one that isn't. That gets complicated. And that's, that's hard to walk in. It doesn't mean you don't love your spouse. It doesn't mean that you turn away from your marriage. It just means that um, there are others now in your life whom you have a real spiritual connection with. And um, it has to be navigated in, in some ways. Um, you know, Hebrews, Scripture tells us about this in Hebrews. tells us in Hebrews chapter 10. Let us consider one another to, in order to stir up love and, and good deeds or good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. We need one another. You need the body of Christ. A life that's going upward has turned away from the areas of darkness. They, they find that they're a stranger there now. And instead, this fellowship of believers, it's much easier to call that home. In fact, we're glad to go there. I was glad when they, go, when they said to me, church isn't a drag anymore. Church is a place where other believers are there, and we're glad to be there. Yeah, you, you should be glad to go to church. Um, our, feet, our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Uh, for them, again, written by David, he very much wanted to be around other believers. For those who are coming out of foreign countries to go to Jerusalem, what a refreshment to be amongst other believers. What are they going to do? Um, well, they're going up to a city that's compact together. Um, that speaks of unity, security. Uh, yeah, there is a unity in the body of Christ. Um, it's not something that we have to do. It already exists. Now, there's degrees of unity. There's degrees of, I want to say, uh, the degrees of compatibility, put it that way. Um, and, um, but if, they, if someone believes that Jesus is the unique Son of God, born of a virgin, 
uh, both Son of God and Son of Man, completely God, completely man, that he died on the cross uh, for your sins, all of them, that he was dead, buried, rose the third day bodily, and ascended to heaven. And that person is saved also. Now, there's a lot of stuff on the perimeter of that, that uh, various denominations, various um, Christian groups have views on outside of that, and that makes us compatible in some ways and not compatible. But it doesn't make them, you don't get saved by what you believe about the rapture. You get, believe, you get saved by what you believe about Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, I believe there are consequences to different beliefs on those things. I think you can do a lot of damage to your walk with the Lord and your view of what the Lord is doing now, what he's doing with the nation of Israel, which we're going to look at here. Uh, uh, you can do a lot of damage to your evangelistic zeal towards the lost by, by some of the other, by some beliefs. But you don't get saved off those things. Again, there's degrees of compatibility there. But there is unity and there is security in the body of Christ. A city that is compact together where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord to the testimony of Israel, or um, it could be as a testimony to Israel. Um, you know, however you want to translate it, the bottom line is, is there's a testimony. The testimony is that something that God is saying, and he's saying to the church, he's saying to the world. The fact that uh, uh, we um, are gathered here this morning, that's a testimony to the world. It's the fact that you now are going to church on Sundays, maybe you're going else on Wednesdays, and everybody's going, how many times do you go to church, what? And you've given up, you've given up the drinking, you want to give it up, you're trying to clean up the speech, you're trying to clean up your mouth, you know, you stop swearing, you stop watching those, stop looking at that, you know, that bugs you now. That's all a testimony. It's a testimony to the darkness that you were in, that you're now moving upwards in light. And it's a testimony to other people. 1 John 5, 11 and 12. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. God has deposited that testimony in you, just like he deposited a testimony in Israel. That testimony is in the church. You're in the church. The testimony is in you. But not only is there a testimony there, something to say, but there is you go to church to give thanks to the name of the Lord, to give thanks and to praise him. A life that's going upward on this ascent is a life where they give place to thanking and praising God for what he has done and what he is doing. To give thanks to the name of the Lord. For thrones are set there for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. What does that mean? Well, uh, the thrones that were set there for judgment were delineated by God in his covenant promises. Um, that there was an order to who he has selected uh, to be king there in, in Israel and had very specific promises and there's things he's going to do. All of that is there. Um, look, it's, 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 a, it's a way of saying 
We know about what God is doing and what he wants to do because we're reading God's word. I mean, that's the only place you find out about the thrones that are set for judgment, the thrones of the house of the... The only place you're going to read about that. You're not going to read about that in... C- you know, CNN's not going to tell you about that. Uh, MSNBC is not going to tell you about that. Time Magazine's not going to... You're not going to get the straight scoop on who Jesus is from National Geographic. It's not going to happen. You're only going to find out about it by picking up God's word and reading it and seeing what God has said. In the midst of this life that's going upward this ascending life, there is the word of God. Yeah, that's a new thing. Uh, I remember when I got saved, you know, bells and whistles didn't go off when I got saved. It wasn't some huge emotional rush and things. I just prayed quietly while I was listening to a guy on the radio in my car. But a weird thing happened. When a Bible study came over the radio, I was like, oh, I gotta hear that. It was like a deer in headlights. What is he saying? He's telling me what the Bible said. I never wanted that before. And suddenly, I had to know what the Bible said. I didn't know why. It's because I got born again. It's because you've gotten born again. And now you have a desire to be fed by God out of his word. Yeah, that life that's ascending is feeding on God's word on a regular basis being fed by the Spirit of God out of his word, just like what you're doing this morning. So uh, this goes on and talks about Psalm 122. It talks about praying for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls. Prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, peace be within you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Okay, this is where also I believe a life that is beginning to ascend and walk in the light the way God would have you do, where a life that gets born again picks up a love for the nation of Israel. Um, You know, again, you don't get saved by your affections for the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. You don't. You get saved based on what Jesus is. But I think you can be near or far from the heart of God by what you believe about the nation of Israel. And, um, you know, Jesus is a Jew. And uh, the nation of Israel, God has very specific promises to them. And um, nowhere in Scripture has he has he abrogated those promises? And um, uh, again, I think you can do a great deal of damage to your um, walk with the Lord based on your views on who Israel is and, and what God's plan for them is. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. The you is Jerusalem. Um, A love for the Jewish people, I think, is uh, essential to a life that is um, walking in the light and upward towards the Lord. Um, And we um, here at Calvary Chapel make no bones about it. That's why I'm saying it this morning. You won't find that in every denomination out there. Just yesterday, uh, a brother in the fellowship was showing us this card he found on the wall of some other denomination, um, their facility had, were passing out some cards or something about, 
how the evil Israelites have been oppressing the, the Palestinians and taking away their land, and you need, to, you need to contact your senator and ramp up the pressure on, on Israel to stop their oppressive um, subjugation of the uh, helpless Palestinian people. And the card just dripped with hatred for Israel. Um, it really was uh, quite shocking. And... Um, um, you know, and then the guys in the men's prayer were, were shocked at that, and but they're not strangers to it. Um, uh, they know that that's out there. As so we get through Psalm 122, Psalm 120, 121, 122, one of the, I think, the essentials of walking the light and going upward in a call of God to follow him is going to be a love for the nation of Israel. Um, and there's lots of ways you can do that. Um, right there it says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Everybody can do that. Um, they, uh, those prayers are heard in heaven and God sees those. There is a very unique promise, and this will make this, we'll close with this. There's a very unique promise that God made to um, the nation of Israel back in Genesis chapter 12, where he said, I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you, and he takes that promise, he passes it deliberately on to his son Isaac, his son Jacob, and then the 12 patriarchs, and by default, the nation of Israel. I want to be on the positive side of that promise. I want to be in a place where I am some way blessing the nation of Israel. So, as Psalm 122 leads us in the Psalm of Ascents, it leaves us there with the call towards caring about and loving the nation of Israel. Let's stand and we'll finish there. We'll pray. Thank you, Lord, for laying out this diagram of a life that is going upward in you through these psalms, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Write all these things into our worldview, Lord, and give us understanding to glorify you in this dark world. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We pray in your name. Amen.